Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hey, everyone. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the Sexy Lifestyle is all about. David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are, and you know we love talking and learning about everything related to sex and sexuality, sexual health, and of course, sexual pleasure. We love diving deep into the naughty, the taboo, and the unknown, and we hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex, because great sex matters, and we all deserve it. We sure do. So, have you, like Carol and I have, had that heated discussion, conversation about porn, where everyone has a different definition of good porn versus bad porn, or perhaps you were judged the minute you brought up the topic of porn. Why can't we just talk openly about porn? And today's show is all about that porn conversation. So on today's show, we're going to be talking about Erica Lust's nonprofit project, The Porn Conversation, which is dedicated to increasing the availability of sex-positive educational tools for parents and educators to provide the younger generation a comprehensive sex education at home and in school, beginning with the topic of porn. Like I said, we're talking about porn today. But before we get into it, we want to Take a moment to tell you about our top waterproof blanket because great sex is messy sex and nobody wants to sleep in that wet spot. So if you're fed up with having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leak proof and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. From messy massage oils or silicone lubes to all sorts of sexy wetness, just throw it in the washer and dryer and it comes out looking like brand new. And you don't have to leave your house to get one. Simply and safely go to Amazon and order yours today. Search Top Waterproof Blanket. That's T-O-P, Waterproof Blanket. Great sex starts now. It sure does, and so does today's show. And this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we are so excited to welcome today's special guest, who's normally in Barcelona, and she's calling us today from the beautiful city of Miami. We have writer, speaker, sexologist, the sexology girl, Avril Louise Clark, who works with Erica Lust on, and who's working with Erica Lust on this new project, The Porn Conversation, which provides families and teachers with sex educational tools. Absolutely. All right. Um, Avril, thank you so much for being here, uh, getting over the jet lag from flying over from Spain. And uh, we're looking forward to a great conversation with you here today. Hi, thank you, Carol and David. I'm so looking forward to speaking with you today, too. Why don't we just get started by you telling us a little bit about your background um, and how you got into sexology? Yeah, of course. Um, So I am originally from Miami, Florida, where I'm speaking to you from today. And I was starting to get into the idea of being a sex educator probably back when I was in high school. Um, I created a club with one of my best friends in high school called the HIV AIDS Awareness Club. And what it did is it brought in a bunch of sex educators and sexologists into our high school. And that is where I met my mentor today, who's a sexologist based here in Miami. And so I 
decided to go back to university and get my degree in clinical sexology. And I, you know, loved it ever since I love this work. I love working in sex education and all the different hats I can wear in this profession too. It's really exciting. And it's just been a really fun ride so far. And I enjoy helping everyone from children to adolescents to adults. And it's been a blast. So do you, um, do you watch anything on Netflix? Have you seen the show Sex Education? Yes. What do you I think? have. I love it. And I'm so looking forward. They're coming out with the third season, I think, next yes, week. Correct. Next week, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would be a dream to collaborate with them. But I'm going to put that out there yes, <laughs> to the not? universe. it is so well written and the story's great and and the interaction between Otis the son and the mother who's a sexologist is tremendous isn't it I've had people send it to me and say they think I'm going to be that mom one day (laughs) and I hope so maybe a little less embarrassing but maybe (laughs) well maybe perhaps you'll get through to your kid before Otis uh, you know got through before she got through to Otis because he didn't really want to know from it right a lot of kids don't want to hear their parents talking about sex. Exactly. And that's why I think that touched on something really important, which is why we should have sex education in school too, right? Because it's not always the easiest conversation. I know for most parents too, um, although it's important, right? Yes, it's it's very, very important. Now, Avril, when you were growing up, um, not mm-hmm. just not to get too personal, but were you yeah. a person who enjoyed um, sex? Did you start young or, or in your mid-teens um, exploring? Yeah, I mean, I want to say that growing up in Miami in general is just a very over-hyper-sexualized city, right? So as a young person growing up in Miami, I was exposed to what I assumed to be sexy and what it meant to be a woman and how your sexuality and sex is a powerful thing. Right. And of course that brings up a lot of iffy things like objectification and body issues and things like that. Right. Um, But I do think, and I would say maybe a lot of people who grew up here too, or in, in big larger cities in North America, that it's, you are exposed to the sexualization of teens and that lifestyle quite young. Um, But I will say that I was really fortunate to have a lot of sex positive friends around me. And so it wasn't ever seen as something that was, you know, bad or dirty, just like it was okay to be curious, but also to be educated about it. Um, so that was kind of my experience, definitely. So, so we love coming down to Florida um, as swingers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida has one of the largest swinger populations in the United States uh, behind Texas um, and ahead of California and New York. And um, the cool part about coming to Florida is right between Miami and Fort Lauderdale is Holliver Beach. And you can go naked Mm-hmm. Uh, right neck, right in, in almost in the city, right? You just go to yeah. the beach and there's the swinger section, there's the gay section, 
And it is just so freeing to to go to a big city and just to be able to go naked on the beach. Actually, Barcelona has a naked say, beach as well. I'm going to say there's yeah. plenty of naked beaches in Barcelona. Yeah. I've been to many as well. Um, so it's just actually more, much more normal. It's not even a big deal going to a naked beach in Barcelona as it is in North America. Have you been, Avril? Just getting a little personal. <laughs> yes. I mean, when I first moved to Spain, especially, I moved to Ibiza. So Ibiza is is known as like, you know, the hippie island of yep. Spain because it was kind of this getaway for um, the hippies during, you know, the fascist regime. And so what it brought was just this huge hippie lifestyle where people were just living freely. And so the idea of like being on a nude beach is almost like, well, almost any beach is a nude beach there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. just very accepted in, in a, on another level. Right. It's not uh, even sexualized. It's, it's actually not. just more, yeah. um, I don't know, much it's more, more normalized. I mean, we've, we've been to Cap d'Ag, which is in the south of France, which is a two-hour yeah. um, train ride from Barcelona. And during the summer, there's 15,000, 20,000 people who do everything naked there. And there's no judging. There's no looking. It's just everybody is the same. There's Feeling no materialism. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I agree. It's different. And and I'm glad you brought up the word sexualized, Carol, because that's exactly what I would say is the problem. Because, of course, I grew up in Miami and it's known as like, you know, it's a topless beach. You can go, especially when you go up north where you're talking about the nude beach. Um, but there's something, at least in the in in the South Beach, which is like our main part, right, where the tourists go and everything, where it was still sexualized even if you were tanning topless even though it was allowed right Mm -hmm. and and then in in spain or like probably in france too it has like a different flavor to it right it's like no one's looking at you in in that that way way. yeah yeah Yeah, i get you (laughs) and and you know avril it's it's one of the questions that i get as a guy being a swinger all the time is we go to swinger resorts we go to hedonism we go to desire we go on the bliss cruises and everybody's hanging out naked. And for those people who haven't been, they're asking me, so how do you how do you get over the fact that you're walking around with an erection all the time? And it's like, well, not so much because everything is so normal with everybody being the same. You don't have this erection because it's not sexualized. It's right. just naked bodies. Yeah, yeah. Not in a natural state more than a sexual state. I mean, I get the erection when we go to the playrooms, yeah, which is where right. it's supposed to right, be, right. not out in public, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. And then that's also a part of like, you know, sex education, learning about spontaneous erections and how they happen and how it's not always a sign of, you know, arousal. arousal right. You know, so these are really important conversations that if we had the information and we knew about, it wouldn't be so sexualized, right? right? So that was cool to hear kind of like a penis owner perspective of that. Now, obviously you've been interested in sex for a long time. If you even started a club while you were in high school, so your friends and family know that you're into sex education, but do they also Mm -hmm. know that you're involved in that world of porn? With Erica Lust? Yeah, with Erica Lust? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, look, I was always like, pushing the boundaries because I grew up with an Irish Catholic family. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was always, you know, even talking about, you know, menstruation is taboo. And so when I started this project, managing the porn conversation, the nonprofit created by Erica Lust, 
uh, I was very open as who she is and what she does because I think that, you know, it's really hard to even define what she does as porn. It's like really gorgeous, beautiful, erotic cinema that's really kind of challenging what we know today as, you know, free online porn, like all the tube sites and the kind of imagery and messages you see there is so different than what she does. So it really gives me an opportunity to like bring up a conversation that I think we should all be having, which is, you know, um, what are, you know, porn is a very, very heavily used form of media, sexualized media, and it's no secret that it exists, but it's no secret too that people are using it and using it a lot, but we're not allowed to talk about right. it. Right. And they would defend it or deny it if asked or approached. Um, and that's the kind of weird thing about it, right? It is. It's definitely a taboo topic. I mean, even like the swinger community, we're happy to talk about being in the swinger community, but mm -hmm. most people won't admit that they're in the swinger community just because of the judgment that surrounds it in the, and uh, all the different, um, I guess, uh, things that people don't understand. It's the misconceptions that they think are what they think is going on when what is r in fact really going on. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. And, and that's where like, you know, misinformation will begin right and and a lot of uh non-factual stuff goes around about you know yeah. porn about being yes. about bdsm you know mm -hmm. and some of the most respectable communities like sex workers too right. Right. and so we need to be having these conversations so we can not only normalize it but also make sure that everyone feels safe and protected mm -hmm. and yeah, uh, absolutely. Do you, do you ever feel like you're walking down the street and someone says, oh, there's Avril. She's the one involved in porn. She does porn. <laughs> no, thank goodness. No, I mean, I really hope that if anything, it's kind of like, you know, she's the one that does the sex education. She's right, the one right, who, right. Or if, if they do say that, you know, it's like, well, let's talk about it. Right. So uh -huh. let's talk about it. Let's Open have that dialogue. Yeah. 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 Um, that would be great. I don't think anyone's ever walked down the street and recognized me anyway. So, that would be <laughs> so let's talk about how you got into um, and got involved with Erica Lust. How did you meet and how did things get started? Yeah, so I knew of Erica Lust and of her films for a few years now. And I was studying, I was doing the clinical sexology program in Valencia when I first found out about her. And I was moving back to Barcelona anyway. And I was involved with a lot of like sex education communities there and was doing my own thing. You know, I also am a sex therapist. So I was meeting with couples and individuals and working at a therapy center there. And I eventually, um, applied for a position at Erica Lust and I was in return offered the opportunity to manage her nonprofit. So cool. And it was, it fit me a million times better than the position I even applied for. So I was over the moon and really excited to take on this project. So and now we want you to tell us all about the project, the Porn Conversation Project. Oh, yes. I'm so excited. I love talking about it. It's like her little baby because um, yeah, it's, it's going to be born very shortly. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, it's, it's, it is, it does feel like um, 
the little baby that's been growing over this past year and a half because there's been so many changes to it. It actually uh, was created in 2015 by Erica and her um, husband, Pablo. And, you know, they're parents and they're concerned parents. Not only are they amazing, you know, individuals, very sex positive, creating amazing films, um, but concerned about the lack of conversation around pornography and around sex positivity and around sex education. And even in Europe where you feel like it's, you know, maybe a bit more forward or a bit more liberal, sex education is still lagging greatly there. So the porn conversation uh, began as an opportunity to talk for parents to talk to their kids about pornography. Um, because it's no secret that they're accessing it anyways. And so what are the conversations we need to be having? Um, it's not like a porn negative conversation. It's very neutral and it's supportive and it's educational. So the porn conversation is launching with um, a whole new school curriculum. So for students ages eight to 12, um, 12 to 15 and 16 and up, and it's going to be um, downloadable, easily accessible curriculum that is done in a way where educators can literally lead sex educational classrooms without any training beforehand. And we provide all the materials, educational videos to go along with it, activities for children to do and to be able to show that they understand and uh, really um, can show their understanding of the the curriculum. I mean, we talk about everything from anatomy to physiology to uh, sexual health. Um, we talk about interpersonal relationships, and we also teach porn literacy. And then we have a um, a conversation guide for families. So it really guides families on how to have conversations with their children and their teens about pornography and about sex and about the, what they're being exposed to online um, and how it affects them when they're away from it. And that's also done in a scripted format. So families who maybe are not used to talking about sex or talking about porn, it gives them kind of a how-to guide um, from what to say, what not to say, um, how to best support your child. And it's just done in a way that I really think and hope that families and educators will really, really appreciate. Well, I'm sure that I could have used it when my middle son was 13 and I caught him watching porn. I just said, you can't be doing that. You're only 13. <laughs> what, a bad, what a bad way to approach that situation. I mean, he's 25 today, but I'm sure that... What would you say today? I, yeah, I don't know. I would love to read your script. Wait, I'm Avril, sh- what would Carol say today if she walked in on her 13-year-old son watching porn? That's a really good question. I do believe that you would probably have a way better answer yeah. than you did with that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, I mean, I guess, like, what would you say? Don't panic. Don't freak out. Calm down, right? Stay calm. Take the time that you need to. It's really good for, you know, in the conversation, guys, we also give tips for the parents, yeah. you know, because this isn't easy. So it's like first, you know, take a a sip of water, a few breaths, do what you need to do. 
And then, you know, make sure that when you're having the conversation with your child or adolescent, let them know it's a judgment-free conversation. Um, make sure to ask questions about their own curiosities, their own opinions about what they saw. And also don't make assumptions. Don't make assumptions that they sought it out on purpose. Maybe it was a pop-up or they were sent a link or, you know, things like that happen on the internet. Um, or maybe they did seek it out. Okay, so like what kind of conversations can we have then too? Um, just make sure that, you know, you check in with their emotions. How are they feeling about what they saw? What do they think about what they saw? Um, and just do it in a way where they feel supported more than anything. We, That's we, very, we, very good advice. Absolutely. We learned over the years, we have six kids, and uh, when we came mm -hmm. out and told them we were swingers and we were in the business of sex, um, we were guided very well by some sexologists, and um, they said, um, ask them what they want to know instead of telling them what you think they want to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good tip. That's was, a really good way yeah. to put it. Especially the younger ones, just give them a little bit of information, ask them if, do you need to know more? And most of the kids said, no, that's good enough for me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, so, you know, walking in on your child, um, watching porn, the first thing I would say would be, um, okay, do you have any questions about what you are seeing? And open up that dialogue. And, and I have a great dialogue with, with my um, three kids. We are a blended family, Carol and I. Um, and we, we talk about a lot of that stuff because they knew from the beginning. I mean, my license plate was SXX. And they knew from the beginning sex was a part of my life. And I, I never hid who I was. Um, and then Carol and I got into the business of sexuality. And um, it's, it's really um, helped us be a lot more honest and open with our kids instead of hiding it all yeah absolutely but it's still not an easy conversation even for and us. we don't want them to hide it either no but we talk about sex all day long mm -hmm. together uh we talk on our show we talk on when we're you know at the resorts and as swingers and we're le leaders in the community but talking to our kids it's still nerve-wracking when the kids are there and we have to say the right things it's definitely nerve-wracking even for people who are comfortable talking about sex so i can only imagine for parents like before we got into this together, like I was, I was not comfortable telling my son he shouldn't be watching porn. I didn't even know what to say to him. It was like, and I'm sure that didn't stop him either. Um, I think he, he sought it out. I'm pretty sure he sought it out because I don't, that's just the kind of guy he is. That's what boys do. <laughs> that's what boys do. Exactly. Right. Oh my right. gosh. This is amazing. We're going to talk more about your project when we come back on the second segment. Just hang on for a minute while we remind everybody uh, that this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we're having a wonderful discussion with writer, sexologist, Avril Louise Clark from The Sexology Girl. Stay right there. We won't be long. So let's just talk about Topless Travel right now and all the amazing trip that we have for next plan for next year. Absolutely. Topless Travel is the best. They have the coolest host couples and the best trips. And so if, if you're looking for the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever, then you simply must book with Topless Travel from Hedonism 2 in Jamaica, where Rachel has been, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, and Desire in Cancun to all the Bliss Cruise experiences. Topless Travel needs to be your number one choice. Yeah, their trips and events are all about the people and their sexy fun experiences. So let's just shout out to those sexy host couples, including Chelsea and Mark, uh, who are there to ensure that you have one hell of a sexy vacation. Absolutely. And we're on um, a whole bunch of Topless Travels trips. But listen up, the one that we're really looking forward to is the Sexy Silver 
full takeover at Desire Pearl, October 16th to 23rd, 2022. We're going to be broadcasting our podcast live from there. Rooms are absolutely selling out quickly, so go on to toplesstravel.com and book now. Come and join us for a week, and we would absolutely love to meet you in person. Yeah, and if you want some more information about their trips or any Topless Travel event, you can also go to thesexylifestyle.com and click on the Topless Travel Events link so you can book the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever. Ever, ever, ever. Alrighty, we are back. You know we're Carol and David. This is The Sexy Lifestyle, and we are going to get back into our show with the sexology girl, Avril Louise Clark, and we're going to continue talking about the porn conversation and ethical porn. So we were having a great discussion earlier about the project, which is all about sex education, how to talk to kids. But tell us a little bit about how children are affected when they see sexualized images, whether it's pornography or just advertising or images or their parents, <laughs> when they see these things at an early age. How can it affect yeah. them? Yeah. So, you know, just like any type of media, um, and especially when we're talking about sexualized media, like free online porn from the tube sites, you know, media affects us in, in many ways. And so what we need to focus on is like, what messages am I receiving from it? So for example, in pornography, let's say we, your child or your adolescent or yourself as an adult, uh, watch a film. Uh, you might want to ask yourself, okay, what am I learning from this? What am I picking up from this? Is maybe there's, you know, there was no use of consent. There's no use of contraceptives in this in this certain scene. Um, you know, maybe it looks like they were pushing boundaries a bit. And so you kind of have to examine what kind of messages would any individual take from this? Um, and, and how does it affect you or the person who's watching when they're away from it? Um, that's another thing. So when it comes to pornography and, and children, and what if they are exposed to it, it can affect them in, in ways where, you know, they're picking up, uh, you know, messages about about violence, about, you know, different sorts of, um, you know, about rape culture, too. Um, so what we really need to have is we need to have these conversations. And that's why the foreign conversation is so important. Um, because we want to kind of like speak to kids about media in general and how it affects them, whether or not it's a billboard or a TV show or a music video, um, and how they can recognize that it's going to shape the way we act and the way we feel, the way we feel about ourselves, and also the way that we treat others too. And when I was um, going through this discussion with uh, my boys and uh, Carol and I learned a long, long time ago that this discussion about sex and sexuality isn't the talk that our parents gave us. It's a continuing discussion that never stops. It keeps going. And even Carol and I, we continue learning, um, especially every time we do podcasts with great educators like yourself. But I, I explained to my son when he started asking me about porn um, that, you know, porn is entertainment. Um, mm -hmm. And you don't learn how to have sex by watching porn it's the same way you don't learn how to drive by watching the Fast and the Furious movies. And I think that clicked something in his head. So, you know, he watches and now he has a girlfriend and they talk about all these pushing boundaries and fantasies and stuff they want to do. But he understands that 
he's not going to end up doing what they're doing on porn with his girlfriend at home because a lot of the stuff is, you know, cut and mixed and edited and put together. Mm -hmm. um, but I did tell him that porn is a great way to open up discussion and dialogue about anything related to sexuality. Yeah, that's really, really good advice. You're a great dad <laughs> because it, it's so important to also, you know, especially if you're a sex positive parent, how can I have this conversation where I'm not being sex negative? Am I not being harmful to, you know, sex workers and, and the work that they're putting out? And so it's great to have it as a piece of a conversation, especially for young adults too, mm -hmm. right? When you're mm -hmm. going into college. Um, yeah. What are you learning from it? What were you curious about that? Um, what did you find that maybe piqued your interest or turned you on? Is it something that you would want to try? Right. Um, and so that's more of a question for, of course, the 18 and up people. Right. Um, but when it's younger, then you kind of want to ask the questions like, hey, um, like who created this porn? Who is being paid for this? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, does it look like the the performers have consented to this activity? You know, the recording, the sharing of it. Um, and so just kind of like checking in on yourself. And does what I consume online on online free important sites, does it kind of represent my sexual desires and my interests in a positive way? Or does it not? Right. Um, I mean, I noticed when I first started watching porn, I didn't watch porn when I was younger. It didn't interest me. And I kind of realized that um, it always felt to me that the women acting in the porn um, were in pain. It always seemed like they're like they're making these loud noises that were not pleasurable noises in my world, in my mind. It was not pleasure that I was hearing. And it, it, it kind of turned me off that they were maybe not being pleasured and you know, and, and perhaps in pain, which what it would look like, I could just imagine that a young child looking at that might think that the woman is getting hurt instead of enjoying mm -hmm. it. And it's hard to explain that to a child. But I guess that brings us into the topic of, of what is ethical porn? What, sh what kind of porn should we be looking at? Or what kind of things should we be looking well, at? Well, we learned something from Avril because we were calling what she calls ethical porn, femme porn, which right. was more female centric. But, but what is the difference right. then between ethical porn, regular porn, and femme porn? What are all those terminologies? Yeah, I know. And, and there's nothing wrong with calling it feminist porn either. Um, I, I use the term ethical porn because I do think it, it kind of embodies it better because it's, it's, you know, it's made, it's, Porn that's made ethically. We can start there, right? Yeah. With the basis of the, the name. And so what does that really mean? You know, it means that everything was made with consent. Uh, there's safer sex environments on set, meaning use of um, contraceptives. And it's a relaxed environment that allows everyone on set, including all performers, editors, cameramen and women, right, um, to, to feel comfortable and you know everyone is paid fairly um there's fair working conditions with food paid transportation accommodations right so a lot goes on behind um the the make of of pornography or of you know ethical pornography too and so it's kind of like you know i think consumers today are a bit more conscious of the brands and of what they consume just as we are with, you know, maybe the type of 
beauty products we buy or the food we consume, mm-hmm. right? So are, so you say, are you saying that the women are not exploited as perhaps what we thought was happening or maybe still mm-hmm. could be happening in the world that they're not being exploited? Instead, they're treated more fairly. Respected. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Paid fairly are, you know, are working sex workers who are there and, and you know, feel supported, are in really safe environments. And so it, that's just like something you can, you can count on for sure. Cool. And usually how you can tell what is ethical porn versus, you know, um, online free porn is the price, right? Yeah. I always say online free porn because that's what I'm talking about when I'm discussing, you know, like Pornhub, all those tube sites. And when you're talking about ethical porn, normally exists beyond a paywall. Um, And because it exists beyond a paywall, you can be sure that that money is going back into making sure everyone is paid paid fairly. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Just just on a sidetrack here, have you been on any any of Erica's sets and, and seen her direct an actual porn movie? I have not. I have not personally, um, especially since I have been, I would love to, but since I've been working with her, it's been, you know, COVID era. Right. Yeah. But I work alongside um, the team and it's just such a wonderful working environment. Um, And I know that everyone who works there is really proud to support someone uh, such as Erica, who is kind of creating this, you know, uh, this world of sex positivity and and creating such amazing work that, you know, we all feel really, really proud of to, to work for her. I mean, that's one of the reasons why um, we're having this chat with you today, because Carol and I are definitely into sex positivity, um, healthy aging, um, female-centric, and, and all those good things out there. And, and all our shows have an educational component to them. And um, we look forward to working with you and with Erica to get that message out there because um, people don't know what they don't know and they need to get that um, right information versus some of the crap that's out there on Google that people don't know how to filter through and get what is um, accurate and, and real. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. And this is like the platform that y'all have created is mm-hmm. doing just that, mm-hmm. right? You're mm-hmm. professionals on and you're having these conversations and, you know, it's it's more, that's why we need to create projects like this, create, you know, curriculums and conversation guides. And I, I worked alongside um, an amazing award-winning sex educator too, Bianca Laureano, on the curriculum and the conversation guides. She developed... Um, the curriculum too for Netflix's Crip Camp. And so she's just a seasoned sex educator. And so it's just recognizing too that we're so much stronger together right. as sex educators and people mm-hmm. in the sex ed sexual health world. Mm-hmm. And having a platform like this podcast mm-hmm. is great too because we get to have these candid conversations right. where not a lot of people aren't used to having the space to discuss these things and beyond a Google search at home, which is, can be quite dangerous. (laughs) Now, I don't know if I have the numbers right, but I've heard something like maybe 95% of all porn movies are made uh, by men. 
um, with the idea that they're to pleasure men. And I thought the word femme porn came into play because some of them were directed by women or maybe with more thought about the woman's pleasure and her role in sex rather than just being male oriented with the male role in sex. Uh, would that be correct? Yeah. yeah. So I'm not too sure about the numbers about that. I wouldn't be surprised if possibly that's true. Um, and so I guess what ethical porn does, what feminist porn does is it really looks and, and creates porn beyond the male gaze. And this is a term that I learned since working with Erica. And I think it's amazing um, because what that explains is, is how we see porn, right? Um, when we watch, uh, you know, online free porn from one of the tube sites, uh, we see that a lot of it is shot with the male gaze, meaning what a man perhaps would like to see from as the viewer or from the camera, right? So they wouldn't really show uh, a woman's facial expression in a way where she's receiving pleasure. Like you talked about before, Carol, you mm-hmm. said, you know, like it looks like Maybe she's they're in pain. pain. Yeah. yeah. So that's a really powerful, powerful image that I think a lot of ethical porn directors are now making sure that are that are in the shots. Female pleasure is important. Uh, a woman's pleasure is important, uh, and especially in heterosexual scenes too. Um, that's something that was a lot of it was left out, and so you can kind of see how that changes the the idea and the way that we uh, view pleasure in porn too. Mm-hmm. And at one point when we were chatting, you mentioned something about um, different genders that should be represented in porn, which most of that uh, commercial porn you're saying is not. Um, mm-hmm. So how, how is the ethical porn a little bit different with relation to gender identity? Yeah, so it's definitely, I think, ethical porn, um, and I can speak for Erica Lust too is that it, it creates a platform where um porn is is you know being consumed by people of all genders and all sexual orientations and so what you want to do is you want to create porn that is made by people of these sexual orientations and these genders for these sexual orientations and these genders right so if you talk about lesbian porn for example on the online free porn sites a lot of it is created still for the male gaze, right. right? Rather than a lesbian audience who wants to watch lesbian porn. So it's really, ethical porn really challenges that too. It challenges not only sexual orientations and genders, but also body types. So you can watch porn and see people with a body type that is similar to yours. You know, that's not um, in any way, uh, you know, challenging what the beauty standard should be too for a for a woman especially uh and for men too we're talking about penis size breast size body type uh and it's it's really fantastic to see that yeah not just all the triple g boobs out there they could be all different sizes <laughs> shapes and and nipples pointing in different directions it doesn't have to be that perfect you know triple po- g yeah you know you know the ones i'm talking about <laughs> Triple G. I like big tits, but triple G is a little bit much. <laughs> well, there's plenty of porn that shows just that style of body style, whereas it'd be nicer to see more average and a mixture of different bodies with nice cute little titties and some hanging low, some hanging high, whatever. It's okay. And do you think, right. Av- and, and Avril, do you think in ethical porn, they try and 
make the sexual positions more realistic? Oh, yes. Oh, as we know, you know, POV porn, point of view porn is huge on on uh, the free online porn sites. But the reality is, is yes, the positions you can definitely tell are for the camera, for the shot, for the male gaze, right? And I, I think so. It's very realistic. You know, that's something that we teach teenagers too, right? Sex can be funny. It can be you know, awkward. Uh, there's bloopers that happen too in the making of porn. That's not the final cut that we see, of course, right? So it's it's nice to kind of have these conversations. We uh, had a blooper and- the other day. We were fucking, and <laughs> Carol goes, uh, "Wrong hole." <laughs> that was a sort Sorry, of a hon. blooper. You know, when there's lube all over the place, it just slides. You come out, and it goes back right in when you're doggy style. <laughs> something they definitely would edit out right right (laughs) the conversation in the real world you can't edit it out it just is you can't you can't so your advice for finding um, ethical porn if someone's looking for it how could you find it online right so i mean I, of course, am a huge Erica Let's advocate, but there's many, many people out there creating great ethical porn sites. Um, and the best way to find them is is through Twitter. I think that's the best sex positive social network we have. Um, so if you just start doing your research, looking into it, find out which company really speaks to you and 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 you know, be a conscious consumer pay for your porn, support sex workers. Um, and I think what's great is a lot of these sites, Erica List included, do a lot of like, you know, free trials, just like Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of test it out and see if it's something that you're interested in or not. And do your homework. It's it's not the worst homework to do. To <laughs> right. <look for> it, <laughs> it sounds to me also that, you know, ethical porn is here to stay. It's not like it's going to just get run over by all the other well, free porn. Well, it's getting porn. bigger and bigger. It is. I think we all have a much more better conscience. The Me Too movement um, really helped women speak out. And this ethical porn is a platform that I think can speak to women. I'm, I much prefer this type of porn myself. And like I said, I, I, I kind of got turned off when the women are just making noises the guy wants to hear. And perhaps perhaps it, it could be better, obviously. And um, who knows? I just like to think she is having fun. <laughs> before, before we get into our next segment, which is Great Sex Matters, I'd like to ask Avril a question about her opinion of OnlyFans. Because just recently, OnlyFans uh, came out and said, no more sex. And then two, a week later, they said, okay, we're letting sex because of the... Um, um, backlash they got from the sex workers who um, mm-hmm. were making a living on OnlyFans. Do you think OnlyFans is is a good platform for people to do, we'll call it homemade, amateur, ethical porn? And um, um, what's your opinion on, on it being there for those single moms and sex workers who are able in a safe, sane manner to, to make some money? Yeah, I am really glad they brought it back and they brought it back for sex workers. I think that was a fantastic move. I saw something, it was like a meme online that said, you know, maybe the reason they brought it back was they remembered who pays the bills Mm -hmm. there for OnlyFans, Mm -hmm. who keeps the lights on, right? And because it was huge, it was a huge, huge platform and thankfully still is for sex workers. Um, I think it's great. I think, you know, if, 
if sex workers can find and have an outlet that is is useful to them, especially during the pandemic, you right. know, mm-hmm. um, in a way where they have control and they have autonomy over their clients and in a way where they feel sexy and they feel like they are, you know, being supported. Um, and you want to be with a company that makes you feel safe too, which was very unfortunate of what happened recently. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I think that there will become more and more, um, outlets, um, alike only fans and hopefully we'll be in a way that will support them even more. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's quite tough in North America, especially with, uh, you know, SESTA and FOSTA, which is always coming down and, 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 you know, uh, censoring and trying to take down safer outlets for sex workers to find clientele. And, um, I just hope that we can continue to, you know, normalize and support sex work. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully this won't happen again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very, very interesting, all this stuff that's going on. Wow, another great segment. Let's just remind everyone that we are Carol and David. This is The Sexy Lifestyle, and we're having a wonderful discussion with Avril Louise Clark from thesexologygirl.com. Coming up next is our favorite segment, Great Sex Matters. But first, another shout out to one of our sponsors, so stay right here. So are you interested in vaginal rejuvenation and sexual health? It's a topic that we want to talk about more because how we look and how we feel make a huge difference in the way we live sexy. The company Lumisk has developed an easy treatment system for vaginal rejuvenation. It's a product that you can use on yourself and at home. It's a carboxy gel called CO2 Lift V. You simply mix together two packets of gel and apply it to your vulva and inside your vagina before bedtime and then rinse it out in the morning. The gel infuses CO2 into the skin to encourage blood flow. It promotes healing and cell regeneration. And the great thing is that there's no discomfort or downtime. This CO2 Lift V treatment keeps your vaginal tissue healthy and happy. It increases lubrication and sensation and makes sex more fun at any age. After you finish the initial course of weekly treatments, you can easily maintain your results with applications once a month. Also, it's a sure way to snap back after a long night of great sex. For more information, visit CO2Lift.com, buy yours today, and get a 15% discount if you use promo code SEXYLIFE at checkout. That's S-E-X-Y-L-I-F-E. Great sex starts now. And remember, if you're looking for an online open-minded community to meet compatible people in your area, you should go to SDC.com and use promo code 30314 for your first month free. So check it out. Absolutely. All righty. This is the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David, and now it's time for our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex because... Well, great sex matters, and we all deserve it. We sure do. So, Avril, you know, you are a sexologist. You help couples. You do therapy. Um, You know, we've been talking a lot about porn and ethical porn and the porn conversation. But let's talk a a little bit about, you know, couples and how they can use porn in their relationship to strengthen, to grow um, what might be uh, something that's not going right, but also if their couple is going great and how they can keep it going even better. Yeah, Yeah, great question. Let's start by talking about how couples can maybe regain their sexual desire. Yeah, sexual desire is probably the 
biggest topic I see in my office, right? It, it, it's built with with couples, you know, how can I reignite this desire? We've lost the flame. We don't know what to do. We feel stuck, right? And I think porn is such a great tool for this, especially because it creates a really great conversation between partners, right? Um, what kind of porn have you watched? Maybe you watch it alone and it's not something you talk about. Okay, let's talk about it, right? Let's bring it out. And, and because there's probably things that you don't even know about your partner yet uh, that you want to learn about. What do they fantasize about? What can they show you that maybe they've seen on, on in a porn that they liked? Would they like you both like to watch it together? Ask questions. Um, even if you're a, a couple that maybe is a little timid to go into this practice, I always say, just open up the site. Uh, find an ethical porn director that you like and look through their work, uh, ask each other questions, say, Hey, what do you think interests you about this? Um, is it the performer? Is it the way that they look? Is it a certain act that they're doing? Um, use it as a, a tool and a base for that conversation. Um, and, and stay curious. Don't be judgmental. We all have fantasies. You know, we all have things that we're interested in. It's not necessarily something that both will be interested in all the time. But isn't it cool to recognize that you don't know everything about your partner? You know, Absolutely. there's always something to learn. So yeah. Carol and I live in this world of sexuality. We love foursomes and moresomes and orgies. And um, I, I don't want to say we've done it all, but we're, we're, we're pretty, pretty close. close. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, in our couple... We have a disconnect because I love watching porn and Carol mm -hmm. has never been into it and still isn't really into it because she says um, it's not real. It's not real. It's not real world sex. Um, I, I feel like they're acting. And again, it's just not my favorite thing to watch. So I, how can we bridge that gap where both of us can find a happy medium to find something that's titillating for both of us? Ooh, good question. So actually... Um, there is a site that I really like and it's called Lustery and it's real couples making real videos mm -hmm. and it, they get paid for it. Of course, it's ethical pornography again, um, but it's it's homemade porn and it's so cool because it, it's so it's, it's just what Carol is might be, you know, seeking. It, it, it's nothing scripted. It's nothing, uh, you know, planned out beautiful sceneries either all the time. And, and I think it, there's something really hot and very real about that. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. So I always say, you know, that's why I say like, do your homework, find out cause what you like, because it might not always be, you know, there might be something in, in the way that, uh, an ethical porn producer is creating that you don't like. And so it's like, mm -hmm. there's so much out there. Also, there's another one called hard work studio that I really like W E R K. And, uh, it's ethical gang banging. Mm. And so if there's something for everyone, you know, it's, it doesn't always have to be, um, really sweet and slow. Um, you can still find some really, really fantastic ethical porn out there, no matter what you're into. See, we learned something there you on go. today's there show you go. again. Well, when we, are, when, we go to, when we go to Hedonism, David always has the TV on because they have maybe three channels and I think they're all porn 
porn channels, sure. right? So we, when we're in the room and we're getting ready, um, you know, to go out for the evening and showering and dressing and getting ready to go, the porn's always on. And sometimes I, I'll watch because it's something interesting or something I haven't seen or it's not, it's not feeling too violent for me. It's feeling something very cool and sexy and it, it really turns me on. But other times yeah. I go, oh my God, it's just noise. Just turn it off. I get like, muted or something. You know? <laughs> so I'm very sensitive to the sounds of sex. And that's kind of when yeah. it sounds to me like it's not real. I, I just block it out. And so some actors are better than others, I think. And, and some directors your, are better than others. Off. It does. It, it, it really gets, does. It gets you unsexy. I know. It's funny that way. But I think it's because, you know, women were like probably 90% in our head and 10% in our genitals. And men are... 90% of their genitals and 10% in their head. It's like, you know, the opposite. So, but yeah. But you still love us. Of course, absolutely. I, always, I found out about something interesting recently that that is called like our seduction learning types. And so it's kind of how we learn as individuals too, right? We're either visual, we're auditory, or we're tactile. And it's the same way with sex too. So perhaps maybe you're, you know, you're an auditory person, Carol. So, so it's something that's really important to you is, is the sounds mm. of the sex. So if it's something that is not pleasing to you, um, you know, to hear, um, maybe it needs to be replaced with something nicer. Or maybe yeah. you like just the visuals of it, but you, you know, it's, you would rather hear David than hear yeah. someone else on the screen, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think so. And most of the time when I say turn off the sound, I like to focus on our own sounds and our own moaning and groaning when we're actually having sex and porn is yeah. on in the background, which which I don't mind if David likes to watch. That's cool. And I, I can glance up and, and get aroused sometimes by it. I like your sounds. I know. I know. That's so much fun. Exactly. She, she likes talking dirty and naughty and loud. And But one of the fun things that we do, especially being in this industry, if we hear about something, um, a sexual position or something, mm-hmm. first thing we do is we look it up on porn and we got to see how it is. You know, like, what, what, what is this? And um, yeah. so that's interesting because no matter what you've ever heard, you're going to find a piece of porn like that. You know? I love I love the reverse cowgirl that looks so easy <laughs> right. on porn. But we've tried it so oh, many no. times. And, you know, yeah. it, it just. Yeah, it's not as either easy. that or my cock isn't 18 inches long <laughs> yeah. and it just keeps going in and out, thrusting back and uh, forth. I know. So, yeah, we, we like looking up things. We like trying things. We always have fun with sex. So absolutely, um, even if we check it out. So let's talk about porn and fantasies because, um, you know, I have fantasies always going through my head and they do come from the visualizations that I see watching porn or reading about stuff. Um, how can couples um, create that spice and that um, get stay away from that boredom and, and their relationship becoming stale by by using porn to you know, not necessarily do the fantasy, but talk about it and and maybe manipulate it a little bit because not everything you see in porn you can actually do, recreate. Yeah. yeah. So I, I always say, you know, like be mindful of does it turn you on or is it something that you want to try? And sometimes, you know, we can say, oh, both, you know, but sometimes not. So it's really good to kind of recognize that, be like, oh, this really, really turns me on this outdoor sex scene. But I kind of really don't want to try it because I know I would actually have a lot of anxiety if I was really going through that in in real life. Um, So that's always good to keep in mind. You know, if a partner sends you something, you know, we're sending each other porn clips or we're watching it together, uh, ask that question. 
you know, would you like to try this? Maybe, or maybe you want to try it out and you realize you actually do not want it at all. That's the beautiful part of reversible consents, right? It's a, uh, it's a go. And then it's a hell no. Right. Yeah. So you yeah. can always back out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And maybe yeah. you just want to watch it, like you said, and get turned on by it and not necessarily yeah. do it yourself. Yeah. We, do, we do that. You know, you watch stuff on, on Twitter and there's stuff that, you know, I pull up on Instagram. Well, I like to see men sucking each other's cocks and that's not really something that David wants to do. So that in that case, it's one of my fantasies that we probably will not fulfill. But I like watching right. that. Yeah. But we've been in that an orgy is- where a guy did suck my cock and Carol said, oh, I missed it and I had to go back and do it again the <laughs> next time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So it's really good to also, if you're in a partnership where one is one thing is someone's turn on and it's another person's hell no, right? It's like, how do you bridge that gap? Well, pornography could could be a really, really great outlet for that. Right. Yes, because you get the visual. I get very turned on watching guys do that. And it's cool. And it's not that I need David to do it. I don't. It just it's a turn Mm -hmm. on for me. And then I'm all aroused. And then we can have some great sex after which is fine. Exactly. Oh, you two are great. What a great, you know, parenting, partnership, everything. It's just so wonderful to speak to you. Thank you. Thank thank you. you. Well, we try. Before we get to our final advice as we're coming to the end of the show, um, the one thing we haven't discussed yet is what if one partner loves porn and the other partner hasn't gotten into it how how would someone bring up that conversation about you know i'd like you to sort of like watch what i've been watching and especially in younger couples or maybe couples who have a very religious background how how do you how do you start that discussion yeah i mean you know it's always good to you know respect if it's someone's complete like hard no right you can be you know as you know ggg good giving in game but within reason right meaning that you know if a partner is really interested in something someone is really driven sexually by visual stimuli like pornography and they really want to share this with their partner i think it sounds like a great idea but also respecting that maybe if your partner is just not into it at all you know um respecting that hard no but also you know as the other partner being like you know is how important is this for my partner and how good and giving am I going to be into this into at least exposing myself to what they want to show me Mm -hmm. uh showing some interest and then deciding later on you know you know maybe it wasn't for me after all Mm -hmm. or maybe you might be surprised and find out it is you know, always asking, you know, is it okay if I send you a clip? I saw something that really turned me on. Can I share it with you? Will you like to watch it with me later? Um, and then also, you know, letting them know, is it something you're interested in trying? Is it something that just turns you on? Um, what about it turns you on? Would it turn you on to watch your partner watch something that turns you on? Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many layers to it. Be open. Be non-judgmental. Ask questions. Don't take anything personally, right? right. Um, it's a really great exploratory tool. And just yeah. like in swinging, we tell people all the time, there are different levels of swinging, uh, different levels of the lifestyle. You don't have to fuck another couple. You can just go and have sex mm-hmm. with your partner in the same room. 
porn. There's different levels of porn. Maybe your partner doesn't want to see a giant cock. Yeah, fucking, maybe it's not hardcore that they're into. Maybe they just want to see a beautiful, mature woman masturbating. And yeah. that's something that will get her turned on or him turned on because the, the woman might be into porn and the guy might not be mm -hmm. into it. You know, mm -hmm. there, there, there's a 50-50 there, but there's always different levels. Um, we talk all the time about that hard no should never be a hard no. There should be a what about something else with a suggestion for something else right yeah. exactly that's a good point mm -hmm. sexual negotiation mm -hmm. right just like in any great partnership there's negotiations mm -hmm. so maybe i'm not into this but what if we try this exactly right? yeah right. Right. yeah exactly yeah. all right we're going to end the show with avril's prof profession we usually like to end our show with some final advice from our guests. So what would you say would be the top two reasons that a couple should seek out services from a sexologist? Great. So in a partnership, I feel like sex therapy might be a really great idea if things are feeling a little bit dry lately, especially when it comes to your sex and your sexuality. Um, if it's something that you would like to explore deeper, you want to have kind of a safe space to discuss um, sex in a room with a professional that can help guide the conversation uh, could be a really great idea. Another idea is maybe if you are kind of struggling to go through things of your past that have affected your sex life today, um, that's great for, for individuals as well. And coming together with your partner to make sure that we can create goals that will reach your you know sexual expectations within your partnership mm -hmm, and what if you're in a couple where everything is good why should you see a sexologist because it can get better yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely celebrate the high points too definitely but yeah. one of the things that the this whole world is not good at is talking about sex especially when it's personal it's so hard even with your if your best friend is your partner is your the love of your life it's sometimes it's difficult to talk about sex and you don't want to hurt your partner so having that referee in the middle of the discussion sometimes can really benefit and that's where your role fits i guess I agree. Yeah, you put it beautifully. It's it's very true. It's nice to be that mediator. And, you know, not because things get hard. Sometimes they do. Um, but sometimes everyone just needs to feel a little bit supported. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. All right. Avril Louise Clark, thank you so much for being on our show today, sharing all this great information. Why don't you take a minute and tell everybody how they can find you, your work online, your website, the porn conversation, all that stuff. Yes, you can find me at sexologygirl.com, sexologygirl on Instagram, and you can find more about The Porn Conversation at thepornconversation.org, where you can download and find all of our educational materials for educators and families and teens. And it just want to ask you, it's in English and Spanish, or in how many languages? For now, it's in English. We're relaunching in English, but we are going to be adding more and more languages as we go on beautiful wow and of course if you missed any of that information you can just go to our website thesexylifestyle.com where every one of our guests has their own guest page with all their information and you can even contact them directly there if you have any questions absolutely and as we did this week we are learning more and more every week from all our expert guests we hope you do too if you have any questions at all you can always send us an email at ask at carolyndavid.com wow 
That was a super de duper show. I like using that word, super de duper, <laughs> with another amazing guest, Avril Louise Clark. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. It was a blast. And as we do every week, we thank all our listeners for being there week in and week out. Join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, sexual health and pleasure, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Well, that's it for our show today. Carol and I send you lots of love and great sex. Please stay safe. And of course, stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 